Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Irish NFL show. In the house tonight, we've got Colm, Christina, and Brian. Hey, everybody. So, we had a big, big weekend of the big, big games, and uh, we'll get to those in a minute. Just first of all, shout out to our partners, Cassidy Travel. You can start pre-registering for the next year of wonderful playoff games and round divisional games and all the rest of it, all the good stuff. Go, go check out Cassidy Travel and you can get their details um, on our podcast uh, information and all our socials. So we have um, quite the games to talk about. Uh, there was some extraordinary stuff, really. So I suppose the first thing to say is we have a Super Bowl coming up in two weeks' time, and that's going to be between the Eagles and the Chiefs. And um, Mahomes did Mahomes things, and the Eagles romped to another win. But, um, you know, uh, oh, sorry. And also, I just wanted to say quickly, I know I wasn't there, but uh, thanks to everyone who came out uh, on Friday night to Captain America's. Uh, I, I gather it was a great evening, and you had lots to say, and there was lots of interaction, and good, good evening there. So shout out to Captain America's and everybody who came to that. And also, last Thursday night in our partner points bet in their Dublin office, um, thanks to, to Graham Ross and, and his team for putting all of that together. So lots of shout outs there and more of that stuff to come in the future as well. But let's uh, start here with the uh, the NFC Championship game last night, the 49ers and the Eagles. It was a bit of a one-sided affair in the end, but in fairness, uh, 49ers were kind of handicapping themselves for a lot of it here. They lost a QB and then they lost another QB. And well, you tell me how I can understand this, but it seemed like the Eagles destroyed them in the end. Um, I actually switched it off into the third quarter because I was like I think this is done but maybe I'll go to you first Brian and give me your thoughts on this game and, and how it played out and what you made of it It's a bit of a strange one bearing in mind the, the importance and the significance of an NFC Championship game and I tried to think back today to when the last time I saw such a dominant affair I was, look there wasn't injuries in this particular one the only one I could really remember quickly was the Panthers destroying the Cardinals that year in which the Panthers went on to play the uh, Collins Broncos but um, yeah there's, look, there's a lot of storylines in this game and it's not down to what actually happens in terms of the actions more so around the injuries um, yeah and like, so I, again I said it last week on the show I don't understand why teams keep deferring and the ball in the second half against against the Seagulls side that are so explosive and they go down the field almost immediately in every game this season scoring touchdown and no team seems to learn learned them I thought this weekend Kyle Shannon would have a strategic move to take the ball first and you know try to get out put a score up and put them in a position where they're chasing the game as opposed to everybody seems to be continuously chasing the Eagles it's happened time and time again this season and on the opening drive we saw we saw an Eagles team that were not in a position to go down the field like we've seen throughout the course of the season uh, I thought the 49ers handled them very well they put them in a, a fourth down position but the aggressive nature of this Eagles team is the obvious go for it and the play itself, uh, me and Colin spoke about it last night, it was an incomplete pass, but it was called as a fantastic catch, and it looked like a fantastic catch from Devontae Smith. But I haven't seen replays in which Kyle Shannon came after the game and said he didn't get to see. Um, if he did, he would have challenged the play. Um, the play was an incomplete pass, but obviously the, the Eagles rushed to the line and got the play off and ultimately scored a touchdown. In that instance, and again, I'm probably nitpicking because I think the reality is this game was never going to change. The Eagles were always going to win. But in that instance, I thought Kyle Shannon could have called the timeout, at least to give his guys upstairs an opportunity to really look at it. 
and then he can then if he needs to be called the challenge and then he can essentially win the win his timeout back and win his challenge back if he's deemed successful he he said after the game if he had it if he had it back he would have called it but ultimately the biggest talk about the game was actually on the next drive because whilst they were seven nil down the Niners started to drive off quite well and they were moving the ball methodically and then Hassan uh, Reddick who's been a fantastic player from this season got to the quarterback and ultimately that was where the game unfortunately was pretty much over we might as well be honest like they brought Josh Johnson in and I think he's had something really like 13 teams in the league he's never really established himself as a starter the Niners even today even the players said that the playbook was completely downsized to what he was uh, capable of doing so essentially you're kind of you're claiming that you're a hamstring quarterback and they get after from there and in fairness they got back 7-0 and then the next drive and I'm not going to put on referees, but what we've seen in the first two weeks of the playoffs is referees that are not willing to call plays, and we'll, we'll probably reflect on this in the next game as well, but what tends to happen in the season, the regular season, the referees are kind of overzealous and they do throw another flags, but come playoff time, that seems to go away. They don't they don't throw as many flags, and we've seen very aggressive play by defence in the wildcard round, divisional round, and there seemed to be kind of a, a nature this was going to continue into the championship games, and it, it did materialise because I'm that drive, the Niners were called for three players on a 70-yard drive and they just kept shooting themselves in the foot when it looked like they were going to get the Eagles off the field and it was 7-1 at that stage. Obviously, it didn't happen, didn't materialise. Eagles went in, touchdown, next drive, fumble, but a quarterback recovered by the Eagles, touchdown right on halftime. I think that's where it ends. I don't think there's a lot to be said about the second half with the exception of McCaffrey trying to play quarterback, trick players, anything they could do to try to get themselves back in the game. But the game... I think everybody by now knew the game was over at halftime. Yeah, this half included, that's why I turned you off. Um, okay, uh, how about you, Christina? What was your take? Anything else that's the rest of the day to you? I think what we've really seen was that, you know, the just Kyle Shanahan has become really good at pet calling plays, but so much so to the detriment of his quarterbacks. Does the 49ers actually have a, a quarterback curse? This is going to be the question we're going to see as we go into next year for sure. Um, I did notice that Johnson has a bigger CV than what I have, so I don't feel so bad about my job hopping. My LinkedIn is safe. I'm so happy about that. But what's interesting as well is, you know, the domination of what the Eagles had last night. They just dominated. Their defense just tore that offense apart. The offense that we were saying were bullies the whole way through. The ones that Colin was saying were bullies the whole way through the season. And I know Colin has actually called that the Eagles would make it to Super Bowl. So he's been reminding us all of this all day, this today. Uh, but, you know, it's just one of those things. Look at, they're going towards the Super Bowl now for their fourth time in history. The last time they played was actually against my team in 2017. I'm still not over that for sure. Um, but I think it all goes to see what's going to happen with the 49ers next year their offense up until last night was amazing the whole way through the season and you could see how the play calls were protective of Brock Purdy but you could see the Eagles defense was a lot older they were longer in the tooth they realized his weaknesses and they jumped on him last night yeah definitely maybe there's a little curse in there for the 49ers for stealing my little Christian McCaffrey from us um, okay, very good. And Colin, what about your thoughts on it? So you called the Eagles to be in the Super Bowl, I'm hearing. So uh, what what did you make it? Yeah, can we just do a quick flashback? The Eagles in the uh, 
Super Bowl. I have the Eagles. There's that. There's the boldest of bold predictions. Uh, Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurts uh, are headed uh, to Arizona. You'll uh, you'll notice that uh, my my colleague Brian uh, chuckled heartily at my prediction that the Eagles would be Arizona bound, but they are Arizona bound, having been the best team in the NFC all uh, season long. Look, the game was ruined because of what happened with the 49ers QB. Brian and Christina have talked about that. But ultimately, this is about the, the domination that the Eagles show in the, the trenches. We saw it yesterday. Nick Bosa initially, I think, really wanted to test um, Lane Johnson. And he tried it. And he did kind of a bull rush and he drove him back. But that was it. Lane Johnson really stood up to it all game long after that. And you would have to say that, you know... In terms of where my Broncos are at, since the Broncos last won the Super Bowl, the Eagles have won a Super Bowl, fired a head coach, changed quarterbacks, hired a new head coach, and are back at a Super Bowl again. It's a testament to, to Howie Roseman and how uh, what a great job he has done there. And I really think that um, we will be in for a fantastic and fascinating matchup in Arizona in just under two weeks' time. We surely will. All right, and think of that time the Eagles won. Was that the Nick Foles one where he did all? They had that crazy play where they scored. Oh yeah, that was that was the last truly incredible Super Bowl from my perspective. Now, obviously, as a layperson, like I thought a lot of the other ones were a little bit dull or low scoring. I think it's the only Super Bowl call I've ever cheered the Patriots on. <laughs> well, you wouldn't be cheering the Eagles as a Giants fan, I suppose. Or I was not sure. Cheese. The, the red and white buntings will be going up, going up on and video so well uh, I'm sure Rob McElhenney who's a Philadelphia Eagles fan and a Wrexham owner probably had a great old weekend considering they nearly went through in the FA Cup as well alright um, just a reminder to folks throw in your comments there uh, if you're if you're watching along with us uh, we'd love to hear anything you have to say who's going to win the Super Bowl I guess is one of the big questions so um, it might be time for us then to uh, to turn them to the other game, really, which is the um, the AFC Championship game between the Bengals and the Chiefs. And I suppose uh, even just as someone watching it from afar, like the thing that everybody was talking about was Mahomes' ankle injury. Um, but it 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 seemed to, well, I don't know. You tell me if it played it made a difference or not. But it was. Very, very close this one, and it was all down to a field goal in the end, um, and and mighty close to the end of things as well. Um, but very exciting, and uh, I for one, as a neutral, always love to see Mahomes playing, so I'll be excited to see him in the Super Bowl. Um, but tell me, maybe I'll go to you first, Christina. Tell me about this one and and how you saw it playing out, and 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 what what you took from it. You know what? It was a really slow start for two offenses who were just highly charged, dominant, and just ready to go. They really and truly were. And you just touched on Mahomes and his ankle injury there. You know what? We all were questioning what type of Mahomes was going to come back and whether he's going to be comfortable or not. We've seen him in the warm up and he looked so flexible. I wanted whatever he was taking just for my standard eggs of getting out of bed on a Monday morning. Um, but there was a few moments that he did look like he actually was in discomfort, especially when he was coming out of the pocket. And you could see that the the team was actually, the, off, the O-line was actually running with him around the pocket to be able to keep him guarded, to avoid any sacks, just to keep him comfortable as he was going through. 
overall the game I thought was very very good you could really see it was quite close there was a lot of we're going to touch on this I'm sure again next season and we've touched it the whole way through the season and Brian just went on and touched about it a while ago is the it's the actual refing itself the officials themselves the delays in the game because of the officiate the officiating in both games was was quite the officiating was quite poor um in some retrospects as well I just I'm sad for the Bengals I really and truly am I can't get past the fact that I actually wanted them to win even though I had the Chiefs by three so I was happy last night on my bet um but look at Mahomes has done another amazing year with Andy Reid and Andy Reid again is in the Super Bowl with Mahomes you know it's you you can't you can't see past Mahomes for MVP. You really can't. Jalen Hurts for number two, second MVP. Maybe we should just split the award because I'm kind of in between the two of them for sure. Yeah, very good. And I I would like to talk about that graphic thing because actually one of the things that baffles me a lot of the time when I watch American football is this sort of the minutia of some of the rules and some of the absolute complexity of what constitutes foul play and not so uh, let's definitely pick that up on another show but uh, for now I'll remain uh, neutral on it and say looks fine to me um, okay well then how about how about Brian you tell us uh, your take on the game close game good game what, what did you where did you make it yeah no, the item was it it was it, it wasn't the game which everybody expected I think everybody was expecting the high scoring game bear in mind Mahomes is I don't know whether it's a high ankle sprain or not because I don't think you should be seeing quarterbacks running like he was running at the end with high ankle sprains. He's playing, obviously, he's carried some kind of injury that affects him to a certain extent and has like, But um, I thought more the more kind of impressive manner for the Chiefs, I would imagine, was Chris Jones the uh, from the front seven. He was literally in the first half in particular. He was unstoppable and there was question marks going into the game and we spoke about that at our show on Friday night and including Thursday's show around whether this offensive line for the Bengals would be able to stand up and go against this explosive on their day. Like they're a bit inconsistent at times, but when they get going, and in particular in Arrowhead, in games like games like the playoffs, the defense as as in it tends tends to show up. And Chris Jones in particular showed up and was. You look at his numbers this morning; was four tackles, two sacks. Doesn't really do it tell a true reflection of how well he played. And he was so dominant that they were again they were saying they were having to double team him, and it was allowed for other players to come in and get the sacks. On Burrow, and in fairness to Burrow, he struggled in the first half, but he never had any doubts that he wouldn't, he wouldn't come back, you know, strong in the second half. And I felt in the going in half time that I thought the Bengals might win a half time. I, I picked the Chiefs. I thought the Chiefs would win, but it was more the nature of the way the first half played out. I felt that the Chiefs had left, kind of left them hanging around, and to a certain extent, which maybe that's a bit to service on a really good Bengals team. But there was opportunities for the for the Chiefs in the first half to put away a little bit more. And I've, even in the second half, I felt they were going to pull away if it wasn't for um, Mahomes' fumble, which was kind of unusual to say. It wasn't like you're running the mill. Fumble from a quarterback, he sensed he looked like he was about to throw the ball and he just lost complete control and allowed them to come downfield and, and get back in the game. And, like the Bengals were in it to the end. And unfortunately today, it is just talking about the about the refereeing, but I look back at them today and some of them, I know Colin always got there's people out there have made points. I don't think when it be this particular game, but there has been points made in, in the past that Chiefs tend to get the, the rubber agreement decisions at home, but you look at some of them today and you look back at the, the, in terms of how it played out at the time, some of them were justified and you now they were called. And people are obviously not going to agree with that. But like, like the one at the end, people are 
again today are getting a bit agitated by the fact that Mahomes is going out of bounds and he gets pushed over and they give the additional 15 yards to get into field goal and he's to win the game. It's a flag. Every time, any time the season you're, you're hitting a player out of bounds when he's two feet or out of bounds, they're going to call a flag. The referees are always going to call a flag. If the referee doesn't call a flag, he's going to be up in front of the NFL asked why he didn't call it. So it was an unfortunate situation there and he, that particular player obviously was very upset after the game and he was emotional and there was a lot of players that were Quite emotional going into the dressing room by the coverage, but with Zach Taylor, I, I get into my rants. Here we go. You're, I had this when we, when we talked about the Jets Patriots game. Just toward the odd seconds to go, you're punting the ball. He, he's a head coach in this league who has quite a bit of experience now. Surely you should be saying to his punter, Brandon Wayne Mahomes on the other side, whenever you do, don't hit the ball down the field. And certainly don't put the ball in a position where. You're put into the guy's house to, re- to return, and he returns over 29 years. Put the ball out of bounds, and then what you're going to do is you're going to leave them with difficult playing field to get down for a field goal, less time, and, and and needing more players to get in position to kick a field goal. They didn't do that. They kicked it straight down the field, and now they're returning 29 years. That was the play of the game. But it played the game for two reasons: one, the bad punt, and one, the fantastic return. But should they should never put themselves in that position. They should have put it out of bounds, and I don't believe they would have been. In a situation losing that came, I think they would have at least gone into overtime, and who knows? But that was a shocking decision to punt that ball in the middle of the field. Fast on the game, ultimately. Yeah, fair enough. Colin, what about you? What did you make of the game? I, I think you saw the two best teams in the AFC go head to head, and I think what we saw was. A lot of what we expected, right? The Chiefs come out and they are amazing off script, right? So for, um, you know, most of your viewers may be familiar, but for anyone who isn't, your initial maybe 15 up to 20 plays are all generally scripted. And that's what you're, you're working off. And the Chiefs are really good around that. They bring out a lot of different concepts. And what they're essentially looking to do, Kala, is test the defense. They want to see what looks you're trying to give them, what way you're going to respond. If we do X, how do you respond? That's going to tell us again later on. If we if we plan to do X, maybe you're going to respond in the same way. So there are lots and lots of different things that they look to do. And early on, they had a huge amount of success, particularly, and Brian has, has talked about it, the dominance of Chris Jones. But as that game went on the Bengals came more and more into it and they responded but I think the difference for me was there was a response to the response so up to this point in the the games the Chiefs and the Bengals have played in the say the Borough and Mahomes era the the Chiefs have generally gotten out to a lead sometimes it's been really early on Sometimes it's come into the third quarter, but they generally get out to a decent lead and all of a sudden the, the Bengals reel them back in. And obviously we saw aspects of that, but then there was a response from the Chiefs' defense and they took it up to another level again. And I, there will be a lot of talk about refereeing decisions, but ultimately to me, the kind of most egregious one is redoing third down. I thought that was probably the, the biggest decision. I think the rest of them, you know, you can make a fair case. And in the same way, we kind of expect referees to be perfect 
without expecting the same from players or coaches, right? So Mahomes fumbles the ball, uh, he makes a mistake. We all know how good Pat Mahomes is, right? He's the best quarterback in the league and he still makes mistakes. So Lionel Messi still makes mistakes. Pick whoever you want and they still make mistakes. Referees are going to. The issue is in close games like this, it is... It, it, that's where you know it, it really becomes a factor um, and, and sometimes the lack of transparency and I know Sam Manson was talking about this on, on PFF and I think he's right the lack of transparency is sometimes the issue uh, and and this is I think where um, football on the in North America and football on this side of the Atlantic has real issues around transparency and sometimes they make it so difficult that then it is easy for fans to call rigged rather than incompetence, right? I think that's what it was. They just they got it wrong, and the league refuses to ever acknowledge that they got it wrong or own up to an error, and that's where a lot of the issues uh, come in. I think you saw a real rivalry. I think this is a rivalry that will continue for a long time. Um, it it had an, an edge to it, and certainly in the comments afterwards, you heard a lot of that, um, but it didn't have maybe the that quite the outright aggression that you saw in the Eagles 49ers game. Uh, I'm thinking the, um, in, in that you saw obviously Trent Williams, um, do a suplex. You also saw a similar where Jalen Hurts was deliberately hit at late on and the 49ers safety had a Ronaldo esque smirk on him as he almost winked at his uh, teammates. Uh, he, he was enjoying it. Um, this, I, I think, was two teams, you know, because that was the 49ers were done at that point. They were kind of just, it was just frustration. Whereas with the Chiefs and the Bengals, it, it was the sense of trying to get a one-man upship. I feel uh, for um, the the young guy who ultimately, it was hit penalty. It was a penalty and he knew it. Um, but I will say, I thought Hill did a fantastic job. I don't know, people may not have seen the video, but afterwards in the locker room, uh, his teammates stood beside him, uh, uh, offering not only support, but basically kind of uh, uh, acting as his kind of agent slash PR guy, batting away questions um, that he didn't feel were appropriate for a guy who's only 22 um, who dealt with a serious injury in his rookie year um, and, you know, has come in and done really, really well. And that's kind of is a testament, I suppose, to the Bengals um, team spirit as well. But ultimately, Chris Jones and Frank Clark took over. The The difference to me was the offensive line. And that's where it's going to be really, really interesting in a couple of weeks to see how the Chiefs O-line, which has been so strong, which did a great job again last night at protecting Mahomes, does against an Eagles D-line. But I think that was the AFC championship game was a real game. Um, Unfortunately, injuries meant that we didn't get that on the NFC side. I hope in the Super Bowl, injuries won't be the thing that we're talking about. I hope refereeing decisions are the thing that we are talking about. And I hope it's the full, the football, the quality of football and the quality of the quarterback play as well. Yeah, let's hope so. Christina, I saw you wanted to come in there. Yeah, Kelly, just as Colm alluded there, you know, last night across Twitter, it was really prominent to see loads of people saying that, you know, the league was literally handing Super Bowl and the win to the Chiefs. And that was actually because that was the play call that came from 
the New York official office. It wasn't even the refs on the sideline that made this decision in regards to replaying that third down. It was actually the league's office. And I do think that, you know, while we give the referees stick, it does come from HQ, like Colm has said. And that's where we need to go into a new year where I think there's a lot more spotlight on the league. They're never going to admit that they're wrong. They're never going to admit that they take sides. You can see that in, in how they actually carry themselves. But I do think that next year there needs to be stronger officiating and actually, you know, the refs on the sideline also not being afraid to actually go against what the office is saying. Because I do think that there's times in it where they are afraid and they just carry on. And exactly like last night, we could have had a really good game going to overtime and not end on that kick. Who was an Irish kicker, by the way? But, you know, it's one of the ways of going. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. I have everything's a conspiracy until your team has the result, the thing going for them as well, right? You know, Brian, did you want something to throw in there as well? Yeah, that that particular play with the Torton Nine, which obviously was re replayed, I think that got slightly excuse <clears throat> me washed away today by the fact that the Bengals still got off the field defensively, still got off the field. They still stopped that drive. They still got the ball back in a position to win the game, and they're on a second and two with just a minute and a half to go, and they go for two deep throws as opposed to running the ball. Again, you'd have to question the play calling there because why not again? And this is something we spoke about Friday night round. Play calling with our team in the league and ultimately it's cost one of the offense coordinators his job this weekend when he's already got a new job. But however, he still got shown the door. But um, there was, I felt there was more more to be gained by running the ball, taking time off the clock and not giving the Chiefs any time left. But anyway, that's that. But no, just back to Carl's point around the, the, uh, the Bengals guys in the dressing room. Like as one guy, Joseph say who was the guy that did the fell in the second year, he had a fantastic game before that. I mean, some of his tackling before that was immense. And unfortunately for him, now that's all forgotten because he's the one who inadvertently shows moans out of bounds and, and loses to 15 yards. But BJ Hill is the guy that was with him, as Colin touched on, and he has had a difficult career himself. He was let go with the Giants a couple of years ago. Everybody thought he was washed up, got a, an opportunity with the Bengals, and he's going to turn his career around again. But it just shows the measure of the team, and what's it's difficult loss. You would expect him to come back even stronger next season. Yeah. Well, um, you were talking about going off script there. I'm going to go briefly off script here because that's our, that's our games uh, for today. But uh, a gut thought right now, because I'm sure we'll talk about it at length, but who do you think is going to win this Super Bowl? That's This is two immense teams. You can't have a big, long-winded answer for me now. If you have to tell me who's going to win it, who's going to win it. I'm going to go to you first, Brian. I think the Eagles will in all likelihood win. I may not pick them come the day of the game because I have picked okay. every game correctly in the playoffs so far. That's my only little thing I can crow about now because Colin has the, the ultimate gold card now that you know, he got the Eagles. Yeah, yeah. Your, your Seahawks nine games thing is long gone. Oh, that got mentioned on Friday night at the live show. But I got every game right it's playing. You're milking that, are you? Someone else milked it from me on Friday night. No, um, I just... I, I would think... I genuinely think the Chiefs are the better team, even despite the season in which the Eagles have had. I, I think if you look at player for player, both sides of the ball, even despite what the Eagles have done to refresh the offense, I would think they have the better team. But I think Colin talked with the bully boy situation there recently with the Niners, and we saw a different card being played last night with essentially the bully boys being the Eagles. At times, I find that the Chiefs, and Colin has touched on that they rebounded last night, they responded to the call last night. We've seen in the past that they haven't, and ultimately they've lost um, 
tight games. Maybe they've maybe they've got over that now and they can address it. And they're not going to be the the boys who are bullied. Maybe they'll they'll be the bully boys in two weeks. But I always I just have a sense that when it comes to the third quarter, fourth quarter in the Super Bowl, the Eagles' defense more so than their offense will be will be what wins them the game and stand up and ultimately stop Mahomes. But look. There's still two weeks to go. Can you tackles win championships? Isn't that the whole thing? Um, all right, Christina, what does your gut say? Who's going who's gonna to take home the big prize? It's going to be the Eagles. And I can see Travis Kelsey um, and he, and he, the Kelsey brothers' mom struggling just like the Manning's mom. She probably loves Travis more. <laughs> well, okay. We'll take that for what it is. Thank you. And Colin, what about you? What does your gut say? Uh, to to me, Kala, it is the the guys that I've been on since the start of the season. I just think they've done a fantastic job. There are so few holes there. And Brian has called it out. To to me, it is looking, it it's the D-line. You're talking about, like, there are four guys with double-digit sacks, right, throughout the season. It's 70 sacks, second in the, uh, in, the in, in NFL history. They've continued that streak. Go backing them up. You have Fletcher Cox had another seven. Uh, Milton Williams had four. Like they brought in Sue. Uh, so like even when they need to give their guys a rest, they can come in. Look, the Chiefs are brilliant. Patrick Holmes is absolutely phenomenal, and this should be a fantastic game. And and Andy Reid going up against the Eagles. There are so many subplots to this to to remember. But the other thing about it, and we'll talk more as we get there, is uh, Jalen Hurts wasn't a factor yesterday at all okay the 49ers defense is is brilliant and in Debeco Ryan's talked about it previously I think they have one of the best defensive coordinators around they did everything right against Jalen Hurts they put so much time and effort into it they they were really disciplined in their rushes they ensured that they didn't allow him to escape the pocket they took away most of his options uh, in terms of throwing it it didn't matter the Eagles were still able to run the ball so you can t- you can try and take things away, and a lot of the time when you take a, an aspect like that away, um, you know you're you're almost certain to win. But the Eagles have built such an array of talent that they can beat you in so many different ways. But look, Steve Spagnuolo is going to come up with ideas as well, and that's what is going to make this so fascinating. Mahomes gets an extra two weeks to heal up that injured ankle. And, you know, he is capable, as we've seen time and time again, of putting the team on his back and, and winning games single-handedly. Yeah. It's going to be fascinating. But you're all sitting on Eagles. Interesting. Seeing if you're still saying Eagles in two weeks' time. Brian, did you have something else you wanted to throw in there? Yeah, I was just going to say, this is the Chiefs' torch Super Bowl in four years. And I'd have to run through the list of Eagles players that played in the Super Bowl previously. It, there's a lot to be said for having been down this road before. They've tasted victory and they've also lost the Super Bowl. So... They'll be keen to get the get the uh, Lombardi back, you know. Just a lot. Maybe the experience of being there before could be a decisive factor in the day. That's something else that will play into the game as from a mental standpoint leading up to you. Yeah, for sure. Well, when you have Patrick Mahomes, anything can happen. I, I'm I'm going to back the Chiefs anyway. Plus, uh, okay. Well, that's uh, that's our lock for this evening. Um, uh, we 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 have had just a couple of. Um, Kind of uh, questions or comments come in, Kala. So just to up there to to highlight that because one of the things I suppose we are in the coaching uh, hiring uh, cycle, and there's been a lot of talk. This was around 
Vic Fangio and a report that initially came out that said he was definitely going uh, to the Dolphins and it seemed to be signed, sealed, and delivered. And then Mike Silver came out and there's the way we've spoken on the show previously. And he said he had called up Vic Fangio and nothing had yet been agreed. And I wonder if some of that isn't the fact that Vic has a very close relationship with the Shanahan's. Um, a lot of respect between Kyle Shanahan and Vic Fangio. He knows that Demeco Ryans is very likely getting that uh, Texans job. It looks like that's all but signed, sealed and delivered. The um, second meeting, I think, rather even than interview, is due to take place tomorrow. Contract could be signed Wednesday or Thursday. So the 49ers will have uh, an opening at D.C., that is one to, to keep an eye on because obviously there's a huge amount of talent there. Plus you have Kyle Shanahan. Um, the, obviously the, the question, and it came up repeatedly on Thursday night and on Friday night, is what will the 49ers do at quarterback next year? Indeed. Any other questions you want to fire up there as well? Or is that uh, that's the biggest one we want to tackle right now? The, the other one that, that uh, came up is in relation, I suppose, to, and, and Bri touched on this, in relation to Kellen Moore. And um, I, I, I'm interested uh, in, in hearing Brian's uh, thoughts on, on this in terms of he's, he's got opinions on the Cowboys. He's got opinions on the Chargers. What does he think about this move? So um, just for lighten you, Callis, so we're... During the show on Friday night, there was a very good, rich engagement uh, period for about 10 minutes where back and forth between the audience and ourselves, we got into the, the Cowboys. And the question, predominant question was, why hasn't uh, Mike McCarthy not been fired after losing last weekend? And I, what I felt was rightly called out was he wasn't the issue. In fact, Kenneth Moore, the offensive coordinator, was the issue. And I was calling out specific scenarios during the season where the, uh, the Cowboys fans should have been frustrated by what happened, but unfortunately, he seemed to all. Oh, Put the blame on the head coach. Uh, Jerry Jones hasn't fired McCarthy, uh, and obviously since then, Kelly Moore has been fired. But Kelly Moore has quickly picked up a job in in LA with the Chargers, and only a couple of weeks ago, I was saying that uh, the head coach of the Chargers, Brandon Staley, should have been shown the door, and he wasn't. And I was consistently on this show questioning his theories and how the game should be run offensively throughout the course of the season. And lo and behold, he's He's going to be with uh, Staley next year, so I can imagine you'll be listening to me banging the drum next season about the inconsistency of these two working together. I'm surprised. I'm surprised he got picked up so quickly. Uh, only in professional sports can you get multi-million contracts and get picked up for another one. If like anyone else that gets fired from a job, generally doesn't get a big high-paid job immediately afterwards. But pro sports to get involved in door, he walked out one and he went in the other. Kala, just just on that, what is going to be really interesting around that, and this is something that has come up previously, one of the issues, I suppose, around um, the Chargers and what was going on there was Justin Herbert has this amazing arm talent. Like, he is blessed with one of the truly, truly great arms, um, but they weren't utilizing that. So the question, I think, is around, um, you know, is, is that Herbert as a conservative QB or is it conservative play calling? And something to bear in mind is Joe Lombardi was uh, the um, the play, the offensive coordinator for the Lions with um, Matthew, when Matthew Stafford was there. And I heard this on the Athletics podcast. Uh, while he was there, 
um, the uh, Matthew Stafford, another QB blessed with incredible arm talent, was fourth from bottom in terms of depth of target. Right in in uh, his in Joe Lombardi's tide, we saw similar, obviously, with Justin Herbert. Uh, all, all of a sudden, things that uh, changed um, when uh, they went to uh, Daryl Bevel. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, we saw Matthew Stafford jump up uh, in terms of where he went. He went to second in terms of depth of target. So that change away from Joel Alberti uh, can absolutely, completely uh, alter how a QB plays the game. That is something to keep an eye on now. Kellen Moore, I saw the stat because I, I was interested given what I'd heard about Matthew Stafford. Kellen Moore, over the past couple of years, his QBs in Dallas have averaged seventh in terms of depth of target. So he's a guy who likes his QBs to push the ball down the field. That, I think, is really something to, to keep an eye on. Very interesting. All right. Um, any last, uh, any last uh, comments we want to throw up here? That there is there's a question from from Fred around um whether backup QBs could get um kind of bigger contracts, especially given I suppose the, the number of injuries that that we have seen, um and it is something that kind of came up a little bit. I I I think it will be fascinating to watch the next decade of, uh, of what might happen in the league. And Brian has um brought this up on the on the show previously in terms of you can't overpay for great but you can frequently overpay for good. Uh, and that is the issue that teams are going to have to figure that out uh, in terms of how you, how you judge it. Because if you overpay for a QB, it totally hamstrings you in terms of what you can do and the guys that you have to, to let go. It's not only QBs, uh, running backs. And I know Fred, obviously, the Cowboys, that brings that into to sharp focus. Um, but we, we're now in a Super Bowl where obviously Jalen Hurts is on a rookie deal, second rounder, so he's making very little. And Patrick Mahomes, when you compare Patrick Mahomes' contract to some of the other contracts, and the fact that he was willing to sign a 10-year deal and the flexibility that affords a franchise, that's really interesting. A lot of talk now about whether Burrow could reset the market. But the thing is, like if, you're, if we're now going to see QB contracts where a QB is earning um, 60 million a year, and I think it was just announced while we have been on um, on air on this that the um, cap is going to go up to about 250 million. So it is a significant jump. But at the same time, if your QB is eating up that much, it doesn't leave a lot, certainly for, for a backup. So um, it will be interesting to see if, so if more teams, I suppose, in the next decade are more willing to move on from, from a QB who they feel isn't elite. That has been the thing. A lot of the time over the over the last little while, Pallet teams have been willing to just say, okay, this guy is good and it's probably better than us rolling the dice again. I think we might see teams more willing to roll the dice and bring in a young guy just because of the flexibility that. But that's tough too because you can get it so, so wrong in terms of the QBs that you take in um, the draft as my Broncos have frequently proved. <laughs> Yes, indeed. Well, there's plenty of stuff to talk about, and I know that there's going to be, uh, there's no game, obviously, this coming weekend, but I know you have content lined up for uh, for all kinds of stuff next week um, and the coming week, and then um, 
we'll be back to you'll be you'll be back to talk more about Super Bowl and all the rest of it. So I think for now we'll uh, we'll we'll call it an evening after a pretty exciting, although sad sort of end to the 49ers season, but nevertheless uh, a great battle there with uh, in prospect between uh, Mahomes and Jalen Arts, and there's much more to be said on that. So thanks to Colm, thanks to Christina, thanks to Brian, thanks to everybody with your comments and your questions, always appreciated and thanks everybody for listening and watching and we will see you next time. <laughs>